0: <laughs>
1: no fear, no political correctness, no wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for downloading and listening. My name is Frank Salvato. I'm going to try something a little new. This is what I was talking about in uh, in my last mail out about trying something a little different, a little new not deviating away from what we do do we're adding something uh, you'll still hear the interviews the, the twice weekly interviews on America's third watch but I'm adding a segment called corner of the bar in which regular everyday informed and passionate people are asked about the issues of the day so that we can all get the idea of where the mindset is of the common man the person that goes and votes the person that goes to work, uh, every day and, and does life instead of always what a pundit says, what a radio host says, what a politician says. It's just the corner of the bar. It's a very relaxed conversation that gives a voice to the everyman. I think it's, a, it's about time that we start listening to the everyman, especially those who do their due diligence, want to provide oversight to our government. Uh, those opinions matter the educated voter matters. So after our Friday segment on America's third watch uh, with Kyle Warren, we are going to hit the corner of the bar. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to underground USA.
2: Nike is constantly political. Why cover congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress
1: tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe. Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. News. Insight. Passion. AM 930. The Answer.
2: Our brand-new listener lines are now open. Check it out, 949-822-7959. That's 949-822-7959. Well, let's uh, bring in our good friend, Frank Salvato, UndergroundUSA.com, and the author of the book, Nullification. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, here we are. It's Friday. The last time we talked was uh, uh, earlier last weekend because we had to do a pre-recorded program because of some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on. But a lot has happened in the time since we spoke. And what do you think, first of all, about the uh, the president's speech?
1: No, it was it was nice to see him without oatmeal dripping off of his chin. Right. Uh, but you know. Boy, talk about protecting the golden goose that feeds the Bidens. That was completely misplaced to be talking so much about Ukraine when really our best ally in the Middle East is under fire and at a declared war. I also want to know where he thinks he's going to get $100 billion to be giving away. We don't have that money to give away. Right. Exactly you right. know. So I it's it's a lot of uh, almost election year propaganda speech type things that happened last night. Uh, if we do give them a one hundred billion dollars at this point, it's only going to hurt us in, in our our problems with the economy. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. It, it sounded interesting. But uh, like everything else, Biden, uh, a lot of questions were raised by his statements.
2: Well, and some of the stuff that was omitted really, I mean, there really wasn't really any talk about the hostages. Uh America, how about this? American outrage about uh, you know, I what I think the the number is now 32. I heard that I think go by in the news break just a moment ago. 32 Americans killed and others have been taken hostage. Frank, why wouldn't he, you know, why if there's anything to be outraged about, that's it.
1: Once again, you see uh Independent uh, actions being taken. You saw Governor DeSantis take funds and, and get 300 people out of Israel. Why wasn't the federal government doing that? Good question. You know, wh- why weren't we making uh, federal resources available? It is something that's under the executive branch's purview and the federal government's purview. It's an international issue. So they should have been doing everything they could to get Americans out of Israel and out of that region who wanted to be evacuated. But they didn't seem to care about that either. It's like Afghanistan 2.0.
2: Just the very fact that we're looking at maybe having another front open up on this war uh, from Lebanon in the the north of Israel, the, the missiles that they have, the number of missiles that they have, would be a very, very bad thing because the Iron Dome, of course, also has to be replenished at some point, I would think.
1: No, oh, of course. And Iran knows this. Russia knows this. And if Iran and Russia know this, so does China. So it's only going to get worse. Iran's not going to say, wow, we we put a dent in the car. They want to total the thing. So they're going to keep funneling a lot of their resources. And remember, they could sell oil now. So they're going to be throwing a lot of their resources at Hezbollah and Hamas. And then you have the regular uh, financial lines that go towards these terror organizations that keep them operating and, and growing actually in that region uh, without any intervention from the United States, because for some reason we've just forgotten the lessons of 9-11 and, and what can happen in, in places when our allies are getting hit like this. We don't have a secure southern border. So, what's happening to israel which who is the canary in the coal mine?
2: I really appreciate what you're talking about with, about Ukraine. In fact, at the top of the show this morning, I came in saying, "Well, is this Ukraine incorporated?" I mean, it just seems like this speech was all about Ukraine mostly, and then they they thought, "Well, some Israel stuff <laughs> you know uh, we've got to put that in there, but it was just really wanting.
1: Well, you got to remember that the Bidens have a very intimate relationship with the the governing apparatus and the um, you know their Fortune 500 apparatus over in Ukraine. Uh, Burisma was something that uh, was a thing for the Bidens. So there's a lot of money and a lot of personal connections for not only Joe Biden but the entirety of the Biden family coming out of the Ukraine. They need to protect their cash cow. Exactly. Now, they, you know, we haven't heard about them grafting money from Israel, and we haven't heard about them grafting money from Taiwan. I think that was Nancy Pelosi's purview. You know, so that's why you didn't hear a lot about them. You, you didn't hear a lot about the southern border because they just don't care about it. So that's why Ukraine echoed through the halls of the Oval Office last night. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was all about Ukraine because that's most important to him. Most important to the Biden administration, it lacks it lacks any kind of foresight into what's happening in the world with with what Iran is is doing here. They're pushing every single button they can to make us shoot, whether it's striking in Syria against U.S. assets or or fueling the fire in the north of Israel and putting, you know, literally surrounding Israel with terrorist troops. You know, they are goading us and they're just waiting for us to shoot. And quite frankly, so is Z over in China and so is Putin up in Russia. They're waiting for us to shoot. Then all hell is going to break loose. So we better get some people with some smarts taking the reins in Washington. And I don't, I don't care where it comes from in Washington, but you're not going to get that out of the, out of the White House. You're not going to get that out of the Biden administration, the Obama 2.0, because they're pro-Palestinian. No matter what Biden says, no matter what rhetoric he uses, they're pro-Palestinian. You go back to the Obama days, even even when he was running for office the first time and the second time, uh, we were screaming about his best friend in college who was a, a Palestinian activist. Right, you know so if Israel thinks they've got a friend in the Biden administration, I, I don't think Netanyahu's that daft. I, I really don't. I think he he sees what's going on here, but uh you know, when you're giving additional billions of dollars to Ukraine, when we can't even get an audit of what the where the money's going over there? I, you know, if I'm Israel, I'm I'm tapping every other resource I can.
2: No kidding, no kidding. All right, well, Frank, we got a caller on line one. Would you like to take a phone call real quick? Sure, why not? Okay, here we go. Line one, you are on the program. Good morning. The so line one, is this back end yeah. Bob? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh,
3: about our southern border, this wants you to envision what a few guys with RPGs and Stinger missiles or Russian equivalents thereof could do. If they're coming across the border, they don't have to sneak nukes in. They don't have to do anything. Just a few guys. If we uh, go after Iran and stuff, that's a possibility that we'll have to face. And, uh, that's why we have to do something right. And we need to, we need to pull back to this country and secure our country before we do all these foreign adventures. And I've said this before the time again. The other thing I was kind of wondering about and just had a thought is what if, what if we were to tell Iran, either you pull back all this stuff, stop all this stuff, or will this flatten Tehran? In other words, Nixon would bluff on some stuff, so did Trump. Maybe we should consider that type of option again. Alright, that's it.
2: Interesting. Well, thanks, Gammon, Bob and Bob. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Frank? Obviously there could be reprisals in this country by uh, bad actors who are already here.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. There have been reports just, just last week that there were at least three people who crossed the border who were apprehended were on terrorist watch lists. Those are the people who were caught, not the gotaways, the people who were caught. Uh, So we have to assume that if you can have three that were caught and that there's many, many more in here already, they're already in our country. Now, what kind of weaponry do they have? Have they aligned with drug cartels to get weaponry? Um, You have to assume that, too. This is proof positive that the, the administration is not really concerned about about the well-being of the United States, and Bob is right. Can you imagine what, let's say, just three guys with three RPGs hitting a skyscraper in Los Angeles or San Diego or Chicago or New York? It doesn't have to be airplanes slamming into buildings, it really does. It could be three people on three corners at the same time talking on a cell phone that's a fire. And, and you've got the same kind of thing happening in a skyscraper in any metropolitan city of the United States. What would that do? It would shut down everything in the United States just like after 9/11. And then what happens overseas? Well the United States is, is focused on what's happened here at home. Now they just it, it's game on as far as calling calling Iran's bluff, Iran wouldn't fall for it not with the Biden administration. Maybe with a Republican in in office they would. Obviously they would with Trump because the world thought he was just a little crazy. But Putin's even said this in interviews. We don't tend to act out when we have someone who we can't read in the, in the White House. That's why it worked for Reagan. That's why it worked for Trump. It's kind of why it worked for George W. Bush. He was he, he was an, an unknown when it came to how he would respond. Biden, they already know. They they capitulated to the Chinese when the Chinese slapped them around in, in Alaska. They're not going to do a damn thing, and they doubled down on that in Afghanistan when they said, "Okay, we're going to claim victory and leave," and then allowed people to get to get murdered as they were leaving abandoning people who we said we would never abandon and just throwing that country back into the stone age with the Taliban. And and if if anybody thinks it's still okay over there, they had a taste of freedom for twenty years. Now they're back to beheadings, women are back to full burkas, people are getting executed in the public square. You don't think that's gonna happen if Iran gets to go full throttle?
2: Well, that's so, right. yeah, they, they want to definitely spread their version of things throughout the Middle East.
1: Oh, absolutely. And let's remember, bottom line, somebody who is a devout Muslim is mandated by the Koran and the Hadith to, to facilitate Islam ruling the world. And they'll be happy to start with the Middle East and committing genocide in Israel. And, and we've already seen in the opening days of this conflict they don't give a damn about human life, not the human lives of women, babies. They don't care, and they'll lie about it like they did about the hospital in Gaza.
2: Well, sure, and, and now it looks like it might have happened in the parking lot, and any loss of life is terrible, but it looks like it's not 500. It's From the reports I've seen, it's more like 50 in that, in that zone, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was 50, and it was a a misfired rocket for the Palestinian Islamic Jihad.
2: Right. Uh, Beckham and Bob, were you trying to uh, say something again there?
3: Yeah, I just want to say one thing. Mm -hmm. United States first, the rest of the world last. We need to shore up our own country first. That's all i got to say.
2: Thanks. Indeed. Well, back in, Bob, thanks for the call. Oh, and by the way, Frank, it uh, looks like George has chimed in, and he was saying hello to you this morning. Uh, he was talking about your comments about 9-11, saying, yes, he was there that day as well.
1: Granted, it's been it's been a couple decades since we've had to feel that sting, and there is a whole generation that was born afterwards. But this is what happens when you, when you allow those kinds of atrocities to fade into history. We should be talking about it. It should be taught in schools. It should be dissected and we should be reintroducing that kind of aggression. Every time we see something like what's happening in Israel today, we should use that as a, as a catalyst to remind people what happened here and the absolute terror that we felt on that day and then how we all came together as a people to respond in the days and weeks and months and years after that. You know, when when you're talking to an 18-year-old today, that's like talking about Pearl Harbor. They don't get it.
2: Right, yeah, it's, it's a far, for them, it's a far removed historical event, Uh but that's right. If you were there, or you experienced it, or if you were, you know, if you were alive at that time, and I mean, this was a major, major development, nobody forgets where they were, what they were doing. Uh, I remember that morning, my father called me on the phone, and he, he woke me up, and it was very early in, in California, um, and uh, he said, yeah, you turn on the television right away, so I, I'll always remember that kind of thing, and then what have what ensued for the rest of the day. Well, as a matter of fact, Frank, we got another um, caller holding on the line. Uh, if you'd like, we'll go ahead and take a quick call and uh, see what they have to say this morning. You bet. All right. Well, caller, line one, you're on the uh, on the radio with us. Caller. Mr.
4: Cowns. Yes. Good morning. All right, Mr. Cowns, professor, and also Frank, my good friend. The I have two things uh, to say. One is that uh, all these protesters that are out in the street in America, and they have all those beautiful PLO, those Palestine uh, flags up. You don't see not one American flag, but during, when you have protesters of Israelis here in America, they have their flags and also American flags. Now they want to, we have 1.5 million Palestinians in America, and they want to bring in another million to come in. I think that's out of their minds to doing that. What's your result on that one, Frank?
1: Oh, we shouldn't take body one from Gaza at all. Let, let the Arab world absorb the refugees from, from what's happening over in Gaza. You'll notice that no Arab country wants to take any. Jordan came out and said absolutely not. So did Egypt. So where where is Iran? And why don't the Palestinian refugees want to go to Iran. Why aren't they going to Iraq? Why aren't they going to Saudi Arabia? The countries don't want them, and the Palestinians don't want to go there. They want to come to the West because this is where freedom lives, and they can get away with actually promoting what I talked about in the last episode, was the conquest of the Western world so that the entire world has to exist under the boot of Islam, as their scripture says. So the idea of absorbing another million people from quote unquote Palestinian territories, uh, I'm not a fan of that idea at all.
4: Indeed, well, that's what they're trying to push. To in my expression, a lot of people. And the other thing is, is that I don't understand about not picking up the uh, new House Speaker. They're not listening to the voice of the people. They're doing what they want to do which I think it's wrong because they're supposed to represent and be in delegates for the people. And the majority of the people, especially the MAGA movement and We the People, want Jordan as House Speaker.
1: Well, you've got a very, and I can use the word radical, not in the same context as terrorists, obviously, but you have a breakaway wing of the Republican Party that wants to force A change towards a more conservative mindset in the Republican Party. I get it. But this is not the way you do it. As to whether or not our elected representatives have listened to the people, the constituents that they serve, that hasn't been the case for a very long time. The Our elected our, elect, our elected officials, of, they have nice rhetoric during the election. They promise things during the election. If they keep one quarter of the promises of what they do, except for a very few, that's a miracle. To think that we send people to Washington to do the bidding of the constituents, it's just an antiquated reality, <laughs> and it, it shouldn't be that way.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, George. I agree 100%. Well, George. Thank you very much.
2: You, yeah, thanks yeah. for calling. And call anytime. And uh, calling back anytime. And uh, uh, Frank, we've got one more call that's actually been holding on here a little bit while you were talking uh, with George there. So let's go ahead and see uh, what's happening over here on line two. Line two. Good morning. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh,
0: Aaron from the Colorado.
2: Alright, uh, Aaron, we are back, back again. again. Alright, from the yes, mighty. I, uh, 710K in US, I have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm back again. And the thing is, though, uh, Israel,
0: uh, Hamas is the cancer. Now, in Israel, uh, obviously, here, uh, uh Israel's, uh, military is the scalpel. So I don't know when they're gonna get the orders to head into Gaza, obviously, it's a dangerous. Uh, uh, it's a very, very, very dangerous mission to go in there because obviously there are going to be booby traps. Lord knows what they're going to face. It's not. It, it's 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 going to be hell on earth whenever the Israeli military head into Gaza and try to cut the cancer Qah- Hamas out of there. Now I get the Palestinians. The Palestinians want their backyard. I get it. But the mm-hmm. Hebrews. Uh, the Hebrew slash Israeli, uh, aka Jews, they want their backyard too. I get it, and I do support a two uh, a two state solution to this insanity that's been raging on since way before I was born and walked this planet we humans call Earth. But the thing is, but when it's all said and done, until the cancer is removed out of that part of the world, which is Hamas that maybe the Palestinians, the, Palestinians, the Arabs slash have that are reasonable and, and, and refuse to drink the Kool-Aid, maybe, maybe, probably won't happen in my lifetime, probably won't happen in our life. but maybe in future generations, maybe they will have a, a, a country to call their own. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll have their backyard. But anyway, uh, Professor Politics, underground gentlemen,
2: Audio. <laughs> All right, well, folks, again, that was Aaron calling from Denver, listening on the mighty 710 KNUS. Uh, what do you think, Frank? We got about thirty seconds or so.
1: Well, we, we've got to remember history. Uh, we have evidence of, of the Jewish people being in that in in their location in what is Israel for two thousand years ago. Uh, the the Palestinians it would use, that's a, that moniker is built off of an old Roman word philistines which was tantamount to the meaning of nomad so they don't really have a land this is something this is something that they have declared and made a popular popular idea the un created israel lock stock and barrel after world war ii that was the world acknowledging that the the israelis deserved a homeland they said this is your homeland and that's international law so what the so-called Palestinians are doing, it's wrong. The Arab world should be uh, should be absorbing, and they don't because the Arab world, the Islamic world, um, you know, hey, they, they claim Jerusalem. Their religion's only been around since 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 the year 600. So so how do you go back in and, and claim a, a place where the Jews were before the birth of Christ?
2: Good question. Frank Silvato, undergroundusa.com, author of the book Nullification. We will talk to you on Monday, my friend. Stay low, my friend. All right. Thanks, Silvato, everybody. And, folks, we're going to come right back. Stay right there.
1: We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Underground USA.
5: Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar Brian Deese is Biden's economic advisor. Crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about
1: welcome back to underground usa and this is the new segment that i'm i'm introducing uh it's called corner of the bar it's uh regular people who are aware of what's going on who stay well informed about things who who have an opinion uh, about what's going on in the world um this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, depending on where you are, uh, we're talking to a gentleman by the name of Einer. And Einer, where are you from?
5: Right now, I live in California.
1: I, I my, my sympathies. <laughs>
5: it's uh, a challenge at times, but we live up in the foothills, away from civilization. So the only things we have to deal with are high gas prices and, and the high cost of living. We don't have to deal with some of the other trouble california station
1: so like bears and cougars
5: um we heard a a a puma the other night Um, we've had bears fairly often Um, bobcats foxes so it's it's interesting
1: i I imagine it's a little bit more uh, uh, a little bit easier to uh, navigate those two things than it is to go uh, drive down some of the streets in san francisco
5: I've avoided San Francisco the last couple of years. Um, as you are aware, I am originally from the Chicago area and am a diehard Cubs fan. And I would usually go, you know, once a year to go see the Cubs play the Giants. And it used to be we would stay at a hotel in San Francisco, you know, go to a day game, um, go out to dinner that night, stay overnight in a hotel, and, you know, make a weekend out of it. But, um we tried Oakland for a, a few times because you can take the ferry over. Um, right in Jack London Square, there's a hotel right on the waterfront, so you're kind of separated from the troubles. But it's just uh, it's just too crazy over there, so we're avoiding it.
1: So, at the corner bar, wh- what are you drinking, Einer?
5: Um, today I'm just having a Corona. It's early afternoon here, so nothing too hard.
1: Well, it is a Friday. Weekends, weekend in, in Florida, where I'm from, the weekend starts... Uh uh, late Wednesday night. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well,
5: yeah. Yesterday we called it Little Friday, and uh, we're having a little bit of a heat wave here, so I figured a summer beer like a Corona would be good.
1: Why not? Um, in the previous segment when I was uh, on the radio, uh, on America's Third Watch, uh, we the topic was um, Mr. Biden's speech. It got us into talking about the Palestinian-Israeli uh, situation that's happening over there and, and the aggression that Hamas is is bringing to the table. I see, I see it as something that's uh, a significant cog in a much bigger machine. Um, what do you think about that?
5: Well, I think it's tied to foreign policy that goes back to Obama. Um, you don't hear too much about uh, Robert McNally. Um, you wear it him.
1: Yes, I've heard of McNally.
5: Yeah, well, he's, uh, for some reason, very quietly, they withdrew his security clearance in June, and the evidence seems to point to him being involved with Iranian operatives, um, actually implanting Iranian operatives into the highest levels of our defense system, with top-secret eyes-only clearance as the... uh, um, chief of Staff for the general that's in charge of Special Forces off in the Pentagon. And so there's, there's a strange connection. Now, he's the gentleman that was key in the original deal that Obama made with Iran to ensure that they would get a nuclear weapon. And, uh, you know, I just don't understand, you know, that policy. But
1: It, it seems to me that because we're we're doing obama 2.0 i mean there's just there wasn't a lot of changeover from the people that that biden brought in that were supposed to be the biden administration It's pretty much just a continuation of obama but these people just don't want freedom or peace to thrive it's like they're putting they're executing every catalyst for chaos to bring about that that transformative change that he talked about five days before he was Obama was elected president the first time.
5: Right. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Obama clearly was uh, not a friend of Israel. Um, Biden's maintaining that. Um, look what Trump did, you know, as, as much of a third rail as Trump is for how many presidents promised that they were going to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. And uh, everyone said, well, if you do that, you know, you're going to create World War III in the Middle East. And Trump did it. Also created peace deals along the way. So, right,
1: right. The, the Abraham Accords and everything right. else.
5: The uh, reversal of that policy, which includes, you know, Obama, uh, I'm sorry, Obama to Biden providing funding to Palestine, you know, reversing the Trump era eliminating funding to Palestine, how can you not tie giving money to Palestine with their ability to arm themselves and do this horrible terrorist attack that they did, as well as the money that goes to Iran?
1: Well, that's all, and I tried to explain this last week on, on one of the episodes on the radio show. You can't supplement money to a group. Whether it's the Iranians or the Palestinians or or Planned Parenthood or any of the others, when they say, "Okay, we're going to give you six billion dollars, but you can't use it for this," it, it's it yeah. just loosens up that money to be able to do it, so that you can refill your coffers. Okay, maybe two uh, for infrastructure or whatever. But you've already you've already provided the weaponry.
5: Right, right, and simply put, money is fungible, so. If you were going to give me money and say I need to pay it for my rent and not spend it at the corner bar, well, the money that I was going to put on my rent, so if you give me a hundred dollars, I put that towards my rent, but that freed up a hundred dollars that I can now go spend at the corner bar. So, that's what it means by money's fungible. It's interchangeable. There's no, you cannot specify, you know, a use for money like that as much as they want to. And I understand that perhaps the uh, the money is under some control, and maybe they haven't gotten any of it yet. But um, at the same time, you know, it's in the bank and it's on the way. So,
1: how do you how do you feel about refreezing it or or finding assets to freeze aside from that six billion that would actually uh, balance that out? cause a little bit of pain. over. I don't see how much pain is actually happening to the Iranians through our sanctions. They just go on the black market, deal with Russia, or deal with North Korea anyway.
5: Well, they're not enforcing the sanctions. And, uh, you know, that's disturbing as well. Um, to take a little bit of a tangent, you know, China's very much involved in the avoidance of the sanctions and the brokering. Of the Iranian oil, and they're making you know billions. How many how many barrels of oil have they been able to sell? You know the the billions of dollars they've been able to make is obviously funding their war machine and their terrorist um, support. And I say I would claim there's no coincidence that the people involved in this brokerage deal are the same ones that Hunter Biden has involvement with in the Chinese investment firms.
1: I see an act, and this is just me, or maybe it's not, but hopefully a lot more people are seeing this. But I'm, I'm seeing a, a, a neo-access powers forming between China and Russia and Iran and North Korea um, and a bunch of little satellite nations that reach all the way into South America and Central America. And I'm concerned about it.
2: Yeah, I
5: agree. Well, Brazil's a big player. Brazil has a huge economy. And uh, the government in India right now, you know, India has basically said, you know, we're nobody's friend. We're our own friend. You know, we're going to look out for ourselves. And if it works that way, then we're going to align with Russia and China. And if it doesn't work that way, maybe we'll partner with the United States, but we're going to explore all options. So, yeah, it seems that the world is realigning. And it doesn't help to have a very weak um, chief executive in office right now.
1: Well, and I think that's why a lot of people were abandoning ship right after that very first conversation that the Biden administration had with China and Alaska, I, I just saw doom happening for four years. And, you know, here's a good question. Are we going to make it to the next election without some very real damage happening to the United States?
5: Yeah, good question. Um, if only we could predict the future of, you know, I saw a cartoon this morning, you know what compared today to three years ago, you know two dollar gas, a dollar, a dozen eggs, and world peace, among other things. Yeah. and what's going on in the uh, Middle East right now, and I'm no expert on the Middle East, but um, you know I'm aware of the circumstances happening currently um, you know there's there's people with nukes that are playing, and the same thing with uh, you know Ukraine and Russia um, you know there's nuclear weapons in play here and and the people that are at the helm of those nuclear weapons you know aren't maybe as stable as
1: they used to be well and and here's a question for you do you honestly see Putin using some sort of of nuclear weapon even if it's tactical if he if he uh, start if he starts a circle to circle the drain with Ukraine do, do you think he'll he'll follow through on what he said
5: i i certainly think there's a chance um you know you pack a, a tiger into a corner and they're gonna strike out. Um, I think there's a much higher probability now than there has been maybe since the Cuban uh, missile crisis
1: yeah, was I was thinking about the nuclear clock and I, I don't know where it is, but it can't be much more than a couple seconds to midnight.
5: Yeah, I haven't seen it lately. Um, they've moved it around quite a bit, and I, I think it's got to be it's got to be kind of close.
1: So uh, we're going to r- wrap it up real quick here, but I, I do hope that we can we can talk again in the future because I think uh, you've opened up a lot of ideas for people to chew on uh, when it comes to seeing things a little bit more clearly and some of the additional players in the Middle East. Um, and I'm going to veer from this just a little... I believe I'll ask two questions because I can. Um, do you see Israeli israel prevailing in this conflict and and if you do do you think you, you will see the complete vanquishment of hamas and gaza
5: oh boy i i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure that's possible especially at this point um i see um worldwide support waning over the next week um the uh, I guess the reporting, the support. Look what happened with the so-called uh, explosion in the hospital.
1: Right, a complete fabrication.
5: Oh, complete fabrication, including fake pictures on the on the cover of the New York Times. Um, so I see world support waning a little bit. Um, I think they could quash Hamas quite a bit. And I think even if they would so-called extinguish it, I I think the roots, I don't know that they can kill it down to the roots. And they may have peace for a while, but it seems as though, you know, that sentiment isn't going to die over there.
1: And last question, a generic question that kind of veers from the topic a little bit. Uh, 2024 election, what do you you see happening?
5: (laughs) I, I, uh... I'm of the opinion that Biden's not going to run at some point, whether it's in the uh, um, Democratic Convention, they're going to pull some kind of some kind of uh, switcheroo. But I, I honestly don't think that Biden can run. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see who goes up.
1: Um, he, he certainly can't walk up the steps of Air Force One.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, he's an obvious decline. Anyone that doesn't see that, you know, my parents had dementia um he does well you know they he's done pretty well in some of the speeches but if you hear clips of him from say you know early 2021 or summer of 2021 and you mm-hmm. compare his voice to now you know it's obviously taking a toll and his presidency does take a toll on people
1: um, yeah you do see people age and it doesn't matter whether they're uh they're pro-american or pro-palestinian that's for sure um, oh, yeah. I, I saw something in the campaign, and I had talked about it uh, declaratively. I thought the man had a stroke because one day he was he was good old Uncle Joe making the faux pas and uh, the, the racial slurs that he thought was cute and sniffing people's hair, and all of a sudden he was wearing the glasses.
5: Right, right, yeah. Um, if he had a stroke, it was a mild one, as far as uh, I would know Um, because his speech hasn't been super impaired. Um, He's slurring his words and doing things like an old fired man would, but um, I don't see that level of impairment. And then who's he going to run against? I mean, I think Trump's opened up uh, like a 50-point lead over number two. It's just insane. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Trump. I would prefer to have Trump than Hillary Clinton, um, he's a little bit disruptive. I, I don't think Trump divides the country. I think the way the press treats Trump is what divides the country.
1: Oh, absolutely. Good call. Good call on that. What do you What do you think about Kennedy in the mix?
5: Um, I, you know, pluses and minuses. Um, I like a lot of things that Kennedy is for, but um, I'm also um, wary of some of the other things that he's for. Um, I. I don't know. You know, it's up in the air, and I'm no uh, educated pundit on these things. Um, but I think it's going to detract from both sides. It'll be interesting to see who is, which side it detracts from more and then uh, how that impacts the election. And I think some of that's going to depend on who actually is on the Democratic ticket. But pending, you know, some of these crazy lawsuits, you know, Trump's locked in.
1: Yeah, I, I would have thought that the Democrats, given... Given the the overt cognitive decline of of Joe Biden, that they would have jumped at, at a Kennedy um, a Kennedy hat toss in the ring for the election because it would have stayed uh, with Democrat control with somebody who's got a name that right right that's been established. I mean, how, how can you say anything bad about a Kennedy when you've had an attorney general assassinated and a president assassinated with the same name. It's Camelot,
5: right? Almost. I mean, it seems like the pathway there. He's obviously uh, ruffled some feathers on the Democratic side.
1: Well, the Democrats aren't Democrats anymore. At least, that's my opinion. I think they're they've they've strived to become a very far left party, or at least the people who are in control of it did. I think they've they've. Metastasized into neo fascists, and I and I think the the Democrat Party of just thirty years ago is gone.
5: Oh, I agree. Um, it's interesting how aligned I am with people that I would have formerly labeled, you know, very much left of center, and I still believe that they are classical liberals. You know, like Matt Taibbi is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some other folks. And there's a cartoon one put out, and, you know, it shows, uh, pick pick a year, you know, not too long ago, say 2005, and there's a scale, and, uh, you know, there's a conservative on the far right, and there's a line in the middle, and he's sort of the left of the line, and the Democrats are on the left. And fast forward to 2023, and the one on the left has gone so far and stretched the line so much that now the guy that was moderate left is now on the right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't change, you did. And, you know, that your analysis of the Democratic Party is spot on, I think.
1: Well, and, and that's, you know, to blame, and I don't mind pointing the finger of blame. Again, it's just my opinion, but the, there's enough evidence there. The takeover of the education system in the United States by neo-fascists who, who you know, have been marched forward through the teachers' unions... Uh, um, you know, you know when when you're not teaching critical thinking skills, uh, you know it, it's much easier to to whip up somebody's emotions about something without telling them the whole truth.
5: One slight correction I would make, and I I see it as a circle. You know, people talk about left and right. Mm-hmm. When you start to get these extremes of left and right, I, I think you're kind of going around in a circle. So, um, so they kind of join, but I would say they're actually Neil Marxist.
1: And uh, I'm good with I'm good with that.
5: (laughs) And the Marxist principle is, uh, you know, get them when they're kids. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, this well, critical race theory, critical queer theory, all these critical theories that have nothing to do with critical thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, teaching children, uh, having them quote come out as uh, something not you know binary sexual when they're five years old. I mean, come on. Obviously, they're going to be a little bit influenced by the indoctrination they've been undergoing.
1: Yeah, and if they and if they see a a television show about dinosaurs the night before, they want to be a dinosaur. <laughs>
5: exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, giving giving kid giving a kid control over what they believe their gender is mentally is is damaging enough. But when you start having having adults. Feeding them hormones to change their bodies forever—I don't understand how that's not child abuse.
5: Well, it is. It is child abuse. Um.
1: Which brings us back to Joe, which brings us back to Joe Biden.
5: <laughs> 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 yes, you, <it> know. Does. <laughs> you know. Now, why would uh, why would the FBI be sent out to retrieve a? Oh, uh, jeez, uh, lost to work. Um, the journal of his daughter that she left behind in a hotel room. Someone found it in the hotel room. They were charged with stuff and they sent the FBI out to get her journal, which talked about things like showering with her dad when she was a teenager.
1: Yeah, I, it's a uh, diary.
5: The, I was trying to think of diary, but mm, I'm old. The last, uh,
1: the, the last time I looked, the FBI wasn't a concierge service.
5: No, no, and for uh, for all things it's Just, uh obvious it's another obvious sign of what's going on with the justice department in my opinion
1: it is a uh i the next the next year and 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 many months can't go by fast enough for me to get out of this what what we've voted into office i you know they say that you get the government that you deserve uh, if that's the case uh, and i've said this a million times they've they hoodwinked us into thinking that talking politics or talking religion is bad and you can't do that with friends you shouldn't do that with friends you shouldn't do that with neighbors it's just not polite it's politically incorrect blah 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 i think you have to talk politics doesn't mean you have to scream and disagree and throw punches if you disagree but i think I, i think we do have to talk politics with our neighbors because right now you've got people voting who don't know you know they'd rather go to a little portnoy's soccer game than than well, read about what's going on in the country or even be constitutionally literate for that matter
5: well yeah we know that half of the people that vote don't can't name the three branches of government
1: that's that's just stunning and when people yeah, are going when people are going to college when freshmen when 60% and i was i was doing some research for a for an article that I wrote last week, when 60% of the, of the college freshmen have to have one kind of remedial class or another regarding either English or math, we've got a problem.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Look what's happened with the schools uh, in the you know, most recent end of the school year, last year, you know, um, close to 0%. Literacy at grade level in math and English in Chicago and, and Baltimore among other places.
1: Yeah, in in Chicago particularly because I was my jaw just dropped and shattered when when Brandon Johnson got in. You had he was running against Paul Valles, who's a Democrat. You know, he, he's a Democrat,
4: right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: but he was somebody who knew about the education system he's he's somebody who was hands he was a school superintendent for crying out loud right right and, oh, and, no, was- and and with the dismal schooling that chicago kids get the crime all based on on being uneducated and uninformed yeah. about things how can you just want somebody who was worse than the woman who looked like she was looking at you out of a fishbowl
5: right right yeah i it's- you get the government that you that you ask for it's interesting to see the uh you know the people that are upset about the immigrants now in Chicago as well oh, we want
1: to be, we want to be a sanctuary city but please don't come here
5: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: you know that's and, and that's that's prevalent from coast to coast I, it's it, it's nice to be able to claim the badge the 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 moniker the 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 brand of being incredibly narcissistically self-righteous but when you're when you're made to walk the walk and ironically they fell for an Alinsky rule here M- make yeah, your yeah. make your make your opponent live up to what they're supposed to be right right you know, so maybe the right has to study Alinsky a little bit more
5: yeah perhaps but i, I yeah, I can't understand knowing that education is a halfway out of poverty why there is an emphasis on education and the clear core results that are being achieved. I can't understand why the people don't want to change but that's politics these days. Um, it's more about trying to scare the herd to run one way or the other than to persuade them for a policy one way or the other.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. Einer, grab yourself another Corona.
5: Hey Will do my friend. Happy and, weekend to you.
1: And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. I enjoyed this. Sounds great. Hey, okay. thanks for having me on. All right, man. Thanks for listening to our inaugural version of Corner of the Bar. I hope you found it interesting because we're going to keep doing it. Uh, different people, when we talk, maybe have some people come back, like Einer there. I thought he was very well-spoken, and, and he was up to speed on his stuff. But there are people out there who are paying attention, and this is proof positive. So that was the Corner of the Bar. We'll be right back. After this,
3: handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.EmeraldCoastTeaCompany.com Honey, this ain't your mom's tea.
1: If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating. Maybe a comment if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com. Sign up for the substack. You'll be notified anytime something new happens. And it circumvents the censors and the fact-checkers who don't know their asses from all underground. And be sure to pick up a copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government. Available on Amazon. My name is Frank Salvato. You're listening to Underground USA. We'll be right back after this.
2: This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.